Once again, well, we just open up God's Word here in a minute and see what God has for us. Well, we, uh, we often have this idea how the things are supposed to be. You know, we have an idea about how life is supposed to be, how church is supposed to be, how work is supposed to be, how our family is supposed to be. We all come with different things in our heart and mind, you know, on how things are supposed to be. You know, uh, you know when we uh, work with a different uh, people, you know, uh, working with people and stuff like as, as I do, you know, we often base many things through the lens of how we were raised or on how much education we have or the experiences in life. You know, I love always, always those debates online about college or no college. You know, you know, experiences of life and no unique education. And uh, it always interests me on in those uh, other, other debates. I don't know why it's up for a debate. You do what the Lord calls you to do and everybody's fine. But, you know, we, 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 you know, we have this lens that we see things through. On how we were raised, what a church we were a, a, a part of. And different things that we've been exposed to, to in our life. You know, uh, for uh, uh, Christians, these things can be very helpful to us because we see the other traditions, we see how other, other things are done. But if we, uh, if we don't bounce things off of God's Word, then sometimes our experiences, our traditions, the way we were raised, might not be really what was the right way. We have to bounce everything off of what God's Word has to say about it. We often do things, you know, uh, because of a certain way. I, I, a friend of mine told me, he said, uh, you know, he noticed his wife, when she's cooking a, a big ham, uh, she would cut the bottom of the ham off, or the top of the ham. I can't remember which one it is, and she would put it in the pot. He asked her, he said, said uh, why do you cut that part off? She says, I don't know. That's the way my uh, uh, mom did it. So I don't know why I did it. That, you know, that's just the way it's supposed to be done, because if mama did it, then that's the way it's supposed to be done. Well, my mother lives with me, and we fight all the time about cooking. So anyway, that's another whole story I could go into. Y'all pray for me. And so, uh, well, anyway, he got uh, interested in it and said, I'm going to find out why she cuts the bottom of the ham off. Well, he found out that not just her mother, but her mother and her mother, first one that did it cut the ham off, bottom of the ham off because it wouldn't fit in the pot. So he just cut the bottom ham and put it in. So for generations, that's the way you're supposed to do it. That's all well and good. The ham probably tastes just as good as ever, but sometimes we, we view things based upon what has been told to us and what the experiences that we have is based on a, a, a tradition you know I'm not, not so sure it's correct all the time but that's just the way it's been done well we often desire church to be the same way that we desire church to be in a certain way we desire it to be molded in what we think you know we attend church based a lot of times on music on preaching probably not here you don't you rather hear the music probably we, we, we attend a church because it has a good youth program or a good children's program or it seems like it has some good outreach. And so we, you know, it's a happening type church. So therefore, we often say, I want to attend there. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Those are very good things. But if we camp out in that, if we camp out in those things on why we come to a certain church, uh, we will soon find fault and ready to make a change. So you're getting me a little bit, is that we often come to church based upon the things that we see and know. And that when we, are, it's exciting, it's wonderful, it's great. I mean, it's woo, you know, it's like, wow. And if we camp out within that right there, we often begin to find fault in it later because it's based upon 
basically what can it do for me? The only reason I believe that we, you know, do you like church hoppers? I do. It's fun to watch them come and go. Boom, 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 you know. No, I really, I'm kidding. You know, the only reason that we change churches is if the Lord has called us to. If the Holy Spirit has led us to. Now, now, you know, we often will go to ministry ministry because we think the Lord has called us to. You know, I, you know, I've had people to come and go at Freedom Church, and you know, I would say ninety nine percent, seriously, ninety nine percent of them never tell me why they leave. Only a minute majority will come to me and sit in my office and say, "I've heard from the Lord, and He's called me somewhere." And when I look in their eyes, I can sense in their deepmost heart that's what God's called them to do. And as a good pastor I am, I said, are you going to tie there or here? I'm kidding. I don't ask that. I don't really, I really don't ask that. But it does come to mind. And, uh, and the, the only reason is, is that, you know, we, we come to church for many different things. We're a part of churches for a lot of things. For, for most of it is that, you know, I've had people say, I go to a certain search, church because a lot of business people are there and I want to rub shoulders with them. Or that's where my other friends go. Or different things like this. You know, it's very seldom based upon, you know, that's more spiritual over there. It's usually based upon what we want. Church has become the vehicle on what can it do for me and not the vehicle to save the world. Say it again. I believe that a lot of times that the church in general has, has become... What can it do for me and not the vehicle to save the world? That's a huge problem. That's a humongous problem. Now, we have to have our needs met, of course. We have to come to church that we know that we feel comfortable in, that we, you know, whatever the case is that the Lord has called us to. And the, and the thing is, the word comfortable comes to mind again, is that we are comfortable in, you know, my children are taken care of, my mom and dad's taken care of, this is taken care of, and this is taken care of. And so it becomes very, very comfortable just to live within that. You know, I've known uh, people to stay at churches that was torn completely apart, and they stayed to the very last moment. They stayed there, and they fought and tried to fight to help heal this church, and one day the Lord says, enough is enough. But the church in general has come to a place is what can it do for me instead of being a vehicle to, to save the world? Where do you find yourself in that? It's like I taught last week is, you know, we're trying to, I'm trying to get in my heart and mind and for all of us to understand the difference between comfortable and uncomfortable. You remember last week? The ones that were here is that my needs are met. Everything's going great, plenty of money in the bank, everything's great. I'm comfortable in that, praise God. But as soon as the Lord calls us to do something out of the ordinary, we say, well, that makes me uncomfortable. Remember a little bit last week, that makes us uncomfortable. I, you know, when we, I said we got it backwards. This should always be uncomfortable. And when the Lord calls us to the, something out of the ordinary, that should always be the comfortable part. <laughs> that should be the comfortable part. We always... We always say the opposite of that. Oh, that's, that's uncomfortable. I got to witness to somebody in a restaurant. I got, wait a minute, I got to give some, something else. And we say that's uncomfortable when that should be comfortable. Now, it's not always comfortable to our flesh, 
But in our spirit, it should, we, should, it, it should, we should just, woo, this is beautiful. It should be a wonderful thing to be used of God. And so that's where we find ourselves. But uh, uh, Paul in uh, Ephesians has something to say to us about the church. I want you to stand with me. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4. I like this uh, second service because I can preach as long as I want to. I, I can do that in the first service too, but it's a little bit more relaxed a little bit. Uh, Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. Yeah, we had a little trouble with the screen this morning again. But it says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience and bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one out of baptism, one God, and the Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Isn't that some good scripture today? Amen. You be seated. Uh, Paul calls the Ephesians community and other churches, communities, this is like a letter that went out to other churches, to be worthy of their calling. Uh, he says, I beg you to lead or to walk. In some translations you'll have, I don't know what it says there, to lead or to walk in a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So what we've been called to, we're going to talk about it. We find in Ephesians 1, 4, in Ephesians 1, 4, it says that, uh, that, uh, that we might be uh, blameless, just as you chose us in Christ for the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. Then in verse 6, we find in Ephesians, uh, of, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed us on us in the beloved. In other words, that God had a plan. He had a plan for us to live holy and a, a blameless, to live holy and to a, a live a, a blameless. Now, you've heard me talk about being holy, and one of the things that Pastor James talked about with a lady that talked about holiness is we think holy is always separating ourselves. We always think being blameless is always separating. We can't touch something unholy. Well, that's the way the, uh, the, 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 the Jewish understanding of holiness is in the Old Testament. But when Jesus comes along, is that our holiness, yes, is to stand upright, to live a, a moral, holy life, but also to touch others around us. Holiness uh, flows out of what God is doing within us, and it should flow out of us into others around us. And so for a, a long time, the church got it wrong. We tried to tell people what they couldn't do, but we never have told people what they can do. And so holiness is something, and that's God's plan for us to live holy lives and to, uh, to praise Him for what His grace has done. With all of this, it equals great ministry to others. Now, I want us to think for a moment, not just about Freedom Church, but out, I'm talking about the church in general on these next things that we're going to talk about. I want you to just think about it just a little bit. At the beginning, at the, the, uh, at the, the, in the uh, first century, the, uh, the, uh, the majority of the people, that, that they thought this, that, that it was hopeless. They felt like everything was hopeless. It was not a good society at all to live in. It, it, it actually, you know, a lot of pastors say it's kind of like we're living in now. But if you read some of the stuff that was happening then, I don't know, they might have us beat a little bit. But it was a hopeless society. The things were going on everywhere. Their hope was that the Messiah would come and reign and bring that, a, a peace to this, this world, this hopeless world. But they really never saw that and they never uh, recognized that they couldn't. 
Because even in our world today, is we see a lot of stuff around us that seems like no hope. Will you, will you agree with that? I, do, I agree with that. There seems no hope. But one thing that they wanted to see, they wanted to see it within the church. Is they wanted to see it within the church. Is they wanted to see a church that was full of what, with the leadership of the Messiah, the one that set things right, to set a, a peace in this world. But they wanted to see it within the church. And I'll be honest with you. We look where we are as a state of a church in general. Maybe the world doesn't see it yet either, or maybe we don't see it either. And what God really wants to do. Because Jesus wants to reign over the church. And through the church, salvation will come to all. So Paul says we have a calling. I like it to say that we have a calling to protect the integrity of the church. That we have a calling to live holy and a blameless before the Lord. To, to, to protect the church. He says, I beg you. I beg you to walk in a way that the church would show the world that Jesus is the answer. But how are we supposed to do that? How are we supposed to do that? It says here to lead or to walk. Let's talk about to lead or to walk. It says basically that God has changed them or changed us and called them or us to an entirely new lifestyle. Distinguished by good works. To lead or to walk refers to behavior that is on display that, that uh, 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 honors the church and its members. So what Paul was saying to us is that you've got to lead or you've got to walk this way that has been changed within you to change your behavior and change everything about you and it goes outward to, to everyone else. See, we have a responsibility to... Protect the integrity of the church. And Paul here saying that he wants to maintain the unity. It's not saying that this church is doing anything wrong. They said we want to continue to maintain the unity. To maintain the unity of this bond of, of peace. To lead or to walk in a way. And he says, well, how are we going to do this? How, how are some things that we're going to do that we can, that, that this calling that it calls to? So for, for many times I would talk about this calling or something personal within me, my personal calling to be a preacher, my personal calling to be this. What Paul was saying is that we all have a calling for, for the church. We have a calling here, and there's some things here he wants us to see. The calling is this, to live humble lives, to be gentle, to be patient, and bearing with one another in love. So let's talk about each one of these. Let's, let's talk about each one of these. But this this to keep the unity of the Spirit or this agreement, this word unity in the Greek means this agreement, that we come together, that we are in agreement together, to, to keep this, this, uh, the Spirit in the bond of peace. He says that in the first century, the uh, Greeks and the Romans were very competitive. They didn't really like to be humble at all. It was more of a, a competition in everything. Does that sound kind of familiar? Here in our day and time, there's a competition to almost everything. I mean, we have, you know, churches are in competition. I've had pastors just say, you know, I'm, you know we're kind of in competition a little bit. I say, well, I'm not in competition with anyone. I just think we can all get this together. I want us to get out of the thinking all the times that our church is the one that's supposed to do it all. 
is we're talking about the church in general here. But it says to but to be humble, but to be completely humble is to have neither an inflated nor deflated sense of one's own importance. Humility is knowing we are not there yet with God, what, what, what God intends us to be, but we're no longer what we used to be. Being humble, in other words, says, again, that I'm not going to deflate myself. You know, we often talk about humility, and people's their first thing. It says, well, I'm not going to let people run over me. Ever, 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 have you ever said that? Have you ever heard somebody say that? Well, do we let people just run over us? Then if that's always our first thought, then, then we're probably a long way from the kingdom. If that's our first thought, because that's pride. I say, I'm not going to let anybody run over me. You know, I don't let people run over me. I bow up at them, you know what I'm saying? And they get scared. They really do. I'm a mean guy. But it says for us to be humble. And in other words, that we don't deflate ourselves. We have this sense, we, you know, that we know that the only way that we can do what God has called us to do is we have a humble heart. He said within the church, in the gathering of the church, is we have to come together in humble, humble hearts. That we cannot compete against one another. We can't compete. Remember, think about the church in general here, the big church. I'm talking about the church in general. Is we cannot be in competition with one another. Then he says, it says for this calling, it's to be how, a gentleness. It, you know, it, it basically it says it cares for and it's considerate to, to others. Seeing people for their eternal uh, uh, worth. It creates an atmosphere where broken people can be made whole. Have you ever seen anybody broken, be made whole in a situation within where you are if you wasn't gentle to them? I haven't. Our gentleness sees the eternal worth of someone. Are you catching another thing here? Being humble, especially looking outward, being gentle, being gentle, once again, moving outward. Remember I said at the beginning that a lot of times we think church is here. What have you done for me lately? And now don't get me wrong. There's times that we are, we need, I mean, we need that moment. We need it for the church to be the church to us. Don't get me wrong here at all. But we often camp out there. We often camp out there. Gentleness sees the eternal worth of someone. How many times you thought to yourself, well, that person's never going to amount to anything? Don't answer that out loud. Everybody's shaking their head going, well, I ain't going to answer that, huh? That person ain't going to be worth anything. Interesting. Somebody thought enough of you to see your eternal worth. Some down, somewhere down the line. Somewhere down the line, somebody thought enough of you to see your eternal worth and their gentleness you saw and you sensed in them. He says also that you got to be patient. Oh, there's that mean word, patience. That's that ugly word, patience. I look at Jennifer Bradsworth, she's shaking her head. She's got about 900 kids. And uh, patience is to persevere when others give up. Giving others a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, a fifth chance, a sixth chance. Being patient with people. You know, we often, I, I say this often, I said, we often have higher expectations for others than we do ourselves. And we're so easily to give up 
on someone. And I guarantee you, this might be in the next one here. Let me make sure. I guarantee you're thinking this. Well, I'm not going to enable them. Not giving up. Well, I'm not going to, you know. You know, we as Christians, we often go, I ain't, ain't going to do that. You know. you know? We often say those things. We just grumble. Oh, you know. Yeah, I know how they are. You know what I'm saying? Patience. Patience. Being patient with others within, within the church. This last one here is a, a beautiful one, a, a bearing with one another. Or we could say it this way, being tolerant. Now, that word tolerant, when I say that word tolerant, what comes to mind? Oh, doesn't it? It's one of those words that we in our uh, modern-day thinking has totally destroyed. It says to be tolerant. And the first thing that we have to say, the first thing that I have to say as a pastor is say, no, I'm not tolerant of their sin. I'm not going to continue to do that. No. It's not saying about being tolerant and just let people just uh, keep on sinning and never uh, hold them accountable for their sin. That's not what it means. It means bearing with one another in love. It means being tolerant of people that's, that really annoys you. <laughs> being tolerant of someone that is different than you within the church. It says if we're going to maintain this, this bond of peace, this unity in the bond of peace, Guess what? We're all not alike. And sometimes we just have to understand that we've got to bear with one another. There's about 10 of you I don't even like. But I bear, I'm kidding. I'm kidding with you. No, there's really 15. Cut off, sorry. That we have to, to, to bear with one another. We're not always alike. That's just the way it is. But what Paul was saying to us, if we're going to, this calling that he has called us to, to preserve the, 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 really the, the, the dignity of the church, to really preserve what the church is supposed to be, that these attributes have to be in the church, not a part of it. This is who we are. This is what has to happen within the, uh, the church. And you can put that in a, a personal place now. Let's go there just for a moment. Where are you in all these things that I have said? You know, there's oftentimes, well, I don't, you know, I'm just going to give up on that person. Just forget it. They don't ever change. I, and I said this morning, ministry is messy at times. Ministry will hurt your heart. Ministry will take you places that you didn't realize you was going to go. If you're truthfully ministering to people, it's going to, they'll drag you in the mud. They'll stomp on you. They'll kick you. You know, they'll drive a car over you then put it in reverse and back over you again. Ministry can be very messy, but in the messiness of ministry, goodness can come forth. In the messiness of ministry, God can do a great work in people's lives. But the issue is, is that we as people of God give up too soon. We give up too soon. And the way we give up is, well, I don't like that song anymore. That children's pastor, I don't know. And we turn it inward. And, we, and then we go back to, once again, the church is here to serve me and how I can be served and meet the needs of my family. 
and it destroys that bond that we have together. It destroys it. Is everything perfect in the church? No, it's not. Is everything perfect at Freedom Church? Yeah, pretty much, 100%. It's a good, it's a good church. You want to stay? You don't want to go anywhere. No, it's not. But I hope and pray what we do have is people eager to the calling. To the calling. That's eager. It says, I want to be a part of that church, that local church. I'm willing to be humble before the Lord. I'm willing to be gentle. I'm willing to, to be considerate of others around me. I'm willing to see, and I, I like the one with gentleness. I, I, and, and this one of the things that I, I try to do as a, as a Christian in general, or just as a good person, is see the eternal worth in someone. Just the eternal worth. Let me camp out there just for a moment again. How many times do we just dismiss people when all it would have taken was a spirit of gentleness? And whatever form that comes out in and change someone's life. What would happen? But if you have the mentality that the church is there to meet the needs of my family, you are very seldom or ever, ever go beyond that. You'll never go beyond it. Because let me just challenge you again with it. Because someone saw the eternal worth in you. Someone did. At one time, you didn't become Christian because you woke up one day and decided, hey, I need to be saved. You didn't just wake up one day and say, hey, I think I'll try this Christian thing. No, someone, somewhere down the line, I guarantee was somewhere down the line was praying for you. Remember, we always respond to the Lord. The Holy Spirit is leading us to come to him. We never just wake up and have this idea that I need to come to the Lord. No, the Holy Spirit has to convict our hearts in some form. Somehow or another, the Holy Spirit has spoken to us in some way. It could be through a song. It could be through, you know, I, I, I always just say, you know, the other the foster children that, that we've had in our home. I say, Lord, if we can just give them one, one thing that they can remember. We had an exchange a student from China. The worship team can come. We had an exchange a student from China. She was with us for about, I don't know, nine months, ten months. And uh, we brought her to church. Uh, we had a good time with her. Come from a very a secular society. She would say things like, now, in Noah's art a fable? You know, just didn't have no idea, didn't understand you know, and for that whole year, y'all look at me. They're just getting ready. Everybody look at me. I do that every Sunday. I like to do that. For that whole year, I said, Lord, let me be humble in spirit. Let Heidi and myself see her as something that is worth this nine or ten months. Her last evening, her last evening, we sat her down. Her name was Kara. Kind of French story, and it's not really funny. We had to pick her up at the airport. She's 15 years old. She flies in from China by herself. I've been to China twice. It's like 
from China to here seems like it's like 3,900 hours to get here. And you're worn completely out. Well, we were a little bit late getting to the gate. Oh, Lord, this is not throwing off really, really good. So we get her, and it's just interesting. She, uh, she didn't know as much English as <laughs> she says she did. I, uh, I stutter. It was fun. That's all I can take. It was great. I love when they look at you and turn their head at me. But that last night we had her. We sat her down and began to share Jesus with her. She said, you didn't share Jesus the whole time? Yeah, we did. We're gentle. We're patient. Janaree was about that tall. She was patient with Janaree running in her room and getting all her candy. I see Kara running out of the room after Janaree now. Janaree! She had a way of saying it. For a whole nine or ten minutes, or how long it was, I hope and pray that we showed her Jesus without saying the words to her. But that last night, we shared Jesus with her. Explain the gospel. And I wish I could stand here and say, she bowed her head and had a belief in Jesus Christ. I can't really say that. But she has eternal worth. And somewhere down the line, one of these days, she said when she got married, she wanted me to walk her down the aisle. One of these days, the Holy Spirit's going to take something and use it. Make every effort. Why? Why that bond, that bond, that word bond means a, a, a clasp, fastened together. Why? Because of care. That's why. Because of the person you work beside. Because of a sister or a brother. That's why. That's why. Because as many of the foster children that's going to come in our home because of them. Matter of fact, the challenge was 10 families to foster or adopt by the end of the year. Guess what? We got six so far. I need four more. So stop rejecting the Holy Spirit speaking to you. There's four more of you. There's some great ladies from Vidalia. Maybe the Lord's calling one of y'all and they're going, Lord, I hope not. But it's important. And it says here that we're one in the Spirit. All in all with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's what binds us together. That's what keeps us together. And if we want to have this say in what the church can do for us, go ahead. But you'll never be what God wants you to be. You'll never be what God wants you to be. If you're always looking down the road to something a little bit better, you'll never be what God wants you to be. you always will find fault. George Lyon said it this way. A worthy, a worthy Christian community, worthy Christian community life is marked by continually, actively, and uh, eagerly conserving and cultivating the reconciling peace Christ died to make possible for a unified church. The Lord died. He rose again brought his church into existence. Now that's what we 
the church through the church is to save the world and for us to proclaim the good news of the gospel humility gentleness patience and forbearing with one another well that's a great recipe isn't it for a great life I want you to stand and as they begin to sing this this altar is open if you're lost and undone I want you to come I want you to kneel down before the Lord I want you to come and kneel down before you if you're lost today if you're hurrying today if something's going on in your life come and meet him at the altar of prayer says they begin to sing this I want us to celebrate what God has done to who we are in him I want you to come Father I just pray you